it's interesting if, if we talk about how do we build strong families and what is it that makes a strong family. And how do we do that? Families consist of all kinds, you know, you can, families that are this or that or whatever. But when we look at the family, when we look at each one, we think, how can we really uh, have a strong family? And what, what do we need to do? And, and it's important that we understand in our relationship with God, our spiritual construct, the spiritual construct of our relationship with God. And, and first off, what we need to understand, it is, it is us and God, <laughs> It's personal. It's intimate. It's important that we're a part of a family and connected to the church and all that, and I'll get to all that, but it's about your heart. It's about you. It's about what Christ has done in your life. It's a one-on-one relationship. It's, it, you don't have a relationship with God because you go somewhere or you do this or you give this or any of those things. None of that thing makes a relationship. The relationship is about your heart and how you've given it to Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's the core. That's of everything that, that we understand. The Bible teaches us about how do we know God. But Jesus also pointed out something very, very clearly, that it's not only do we have a relationship with God, but our relationship is with one another. It's with connected. And so we, have, we understand the Scripture that says, love God with all your heart, and you love your neighbors as you love God. In other words, it, somehow it's tied in. And then the, the New Testament teaches us over and over again that it's about a relationship, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And so, therefore, we are brothers and sisters. So we are a family. You, you are my brother. You are my sisters. And together, we are the family of God. And uh, uh, the Apostle Paul describes it like, a, like a, uh, uh, the family is... Uh, understand like a body, you know, so you have your hands that do certain things and you got your feet that do certain things, you know, and and they may get into an argument. The foot says, I'm more important than the hand. And the hand says, no, 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 I'm more important than the foot. But the foot says, you're not getting there without me. And the hand says, but you're not doing anything after you get there without me. (laughs) And we have to understand that we're connected. You can't cut off one and not affect the other. So there is a strong bond. As we understand our spiritual construct, our relationship with God is intimate, it's personal, it's between us and God and what we have done with Jesus Christ. And then it is built around our relationship with one another. We are a family. We're a body. We're connected to one another. We are a church. That's what church means. It's just the body and, and the collection. But we also are families of families. So we are a family of family. And so that's why it's so important that in our gathering of families, as a family, we have to believe that God is going to give us and help us build the strongest families that we can. Strong, I mean, by strong, I mean in our relationship with God, in our relationship and having children raise up with all their talent, with all their um, uh, abilities and, and know God. And see, that's our hearts. We want, to, we want you to love God. We want you to serve God. But we also want your children to come up and find a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why we, we even have a children's program and such. In Mark chapter 3, <clears throat> Uh, it's really interesting. It's probably one of the most fascinating stories. I, I love this story. Jesus comes in, and, and, and he's teaching in, in the synagogue and in, in, in basically church and such. And uh, the, it starts out by saying that his family came to basically drag him off and lock him up somewhere. They thought he was crazy. So his mother and his brothers were all there, and they were going to haul him off and, and get rid of him because 
they, he was embarrassing them. He, he was literally not right. That's what they're thinking, what, the way he's teaching and what he's saying. And so it starts off like that, and then the, the Pharisees come in and says, hey, you're doing all these healings and miracles and power. You're doing all these things by, uh, with, by the devil. And Jesus just, he's like, okay, that's crazy. How can uh, a kingdom be divided? How can, 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 can it fight against itself? Now, this is important to understand because it was actually even the moment that Jesus was going to build up to about his family because his family comes, and so the teaching is still true. How can a family survive when it's divided against each other? And so Jesus defines a family as a family that follows his way, that follows his command, and he, re, he just turns everything upside down. Now, he didn't reject his family. We'll, we'll talk about that later. It wasn't that he was saying, my family doesn't count anymore. All I care about are these people. No, no, no. He was, he was defining that a family is someone that works together. A family that is someone that's in unity that's for the same cause, for the same purpose. And these people, these uh, people sitting around me, this is my family. So you might be asking me, how do we build families, Greg? How do we build a strong family in God and our relationship? with? How, how do we do that? And I think the key is found in listening to what they're saying. Because they are speaking. We have to hear what they're saying. We have to understand what they're saying. So just in a few short minutes as we have for the rest of this service, I want to talk about the fact that children are speaking. Do you hear what they're saying? Do you understand what they're saying? Because if we do, if we really understand, it changes everything. It changes everything because they're either speaking praise, they're either speaking good things, or they're speaking the poverty that comes from this world. The poverty that says, this is what I want to do. This is how, what I want to have. I want to accumulate all this. And so out of their mouth, you, you can hear it. You'll know. They're either speaking praise or they're speaking poverty. The question is, are we listening? Do we hear what they're saying? And do we understand how to interpret that and what that means to us? Because so often in this generation... What the children are speaking is, I don't want that, I don't want that church. I don't want that religion. I don't, I, I, they're just about rules, or they're just about following this, or they, but like that, or, or, or it's all about condemnation. Or they're speaking hopelessness. It says, look, I see my uh, family that pursue all these things and have all these wealth and have all these uh, things in their life, and it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't bring any happiness. It's, it's, they're saying that. They're speaking that. Or they're speaking even worse. There's no hope. Why should I even go on? And you find a life that has so much promise being cut short. And we're, we're facing right now the highest teen suicide that we've experienced. Why? What are they saying? What are they saying? Have they pursued these things and all of a sudden they find that, that they don't mean anything? I was, had a chance many years ago to go to Romania, and I was ministering in a church with an interpreter, a friend of mine. It was an interesting church because it was, wasn't, it was a few years, but a little while after the, the Iron Curtain fell, and I guess it's back up now, but whatever. You just, so I was at, had this opportunity to preach in this church, and, and it was, all the women were over here and all the men were over here because that's the way they did it. You know, so and I wasn't there to change all of that. But what struck me more than anything is I looked around and noticed people coming and walking to church and everything is there were no children, no children whatsoever. And I'm thinking, ah, where do you where do you, you have children's church somewhere else? You know, where do you where do you 
where are, where are all the kids? And says, oh, we, we don't let them come. <laughs> and he, I'm just thinking, okay, okay, flow here, Greg. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean you don't let them come? He says, no, 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 no. We, 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 you know, and then they go in into, you know, real issues, you know, that if you teach your children, they go home and they, the government talks to them and find out where your church is and what you're saying and what you're doing. All that could be really bad. And I, I got that. But as I talked to them a little bit more, I realized it really wasn't even that. That wasn't even the issue. The issue was they just didn't think they were ready. They didn't think they were mature enough to understand the things of God. And they didn't want them to, to mess it up. And I, and, and I thought about that, and I thought so often it's easy to do that. We dismiss what the children are saying and not listening to what they're saying. Do you hear the children? Do you hear what they're saying? Jesus comes into Jerusalem toward the end of his ministry, and the people are lining on both sides of it, and they're shouting, Hosanna, 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 which is amazing. And, and the, the religious leaders say, hey, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus said, hey, the rocks would cry out if they, if they don't yell, if they don't worship me, if they don't do this, if they don't understand who I am as, as the Hosanna, as the Messiah. And that's a great story. I love that. But it's the story after the story, and it usually is. That is so powerful because Jesus goes on and, and he begins to heal the blind, begins to heal the lame. He's touching people. He always cares for the broken, for the outcast, for those that are set aside. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's caring for these people. And then something amazing happens. It was very specific. The children, the children, which hadn't been as far as we know, seeing anything, are now singing and proclaiming. And look what it says in Matthew 21. It says, when the teachers of the law saw the children shouting, shh, you can't do that, in the temple courts, shh, you shouldn't play that music at church, come on, <laughs> you shouldn't do that. When they saw them shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant because that's not the way it's done. That's not the order. It's not the structure. We, we adults, we got to figure it out, right? <laughs> this is the way it's done. This is the way it's moved. And when they were just, just praising God, shouting, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They ask him. I love Jesus' re reply. Yes. <laughs> I hear them. Oh, I love that. I love, if nothing else, I love just that phrase, just that one-word response. God hears them. God hears our children. Do you hear what our children are saying? You see, I have one simple thought, one simple point this morning. And that's that children will live what we love. The children, your children, will live. Let me rephrase that. They are living right now what you love, not what you teach. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. Because we try. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. They're doing this. They're doing this. They're doing this. Oh, man, you know. Or, or not, not what you tell them, not what you teach them, not even how you discipline. This is the way you do it. This is the way you do it. You know, we have these, if we're having this uh, building strong families, you, you know, think I give you 15 points on how to, how to take care. And those are good, and, and those are teaching lessons, but that's not what this is morning's about. It's something about much more profound how we actually change the hearts of our children. How do we invest in them? How do we actually move in their life? It's because they will and they are living what you're loving. And you say, well, I don't have any kids. I don't even like that. Uh, you, you, you're influencing. You, you do. 
what your life is and how you're touching. There's always someone around you that you're influencing, that you're making a difference in, whether it be the relatives or, or even either other people around you. First Chronicles 28 says something really powerful. We listen at verse 8. It says, be careful, be careful to follow the commandments of the Lord your God. Now, let me just stop right here because this is David at the end of his life, who, by the way, wasn't a great dad. Just, just say it up front, you know, you know, man after God's own heart, but not a great dad. But he's saying to Solomon, this is how you do it, and it's profound. He says, be careful how you follow the commands of the Lord your God, that you may uh, possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to your children. <laughs> so what he's saying is, you have to have it in your life. He says, be careful how you follow. It has to be in your heart. It can't be something you just say, this is what we do, or this is where we go to church, or this is how we act, or this is what we do. It has to be something that comes out of you, something that you have with all your heart. And then, then if you do, because, you see, you have to pursue God. He has to. That's why the, the Bible teaches love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. I mean everything. Love God. Love God. That's what it starts with is love God. Are, are, we, are we loving God? Love God, and if we love God, if we, if we pursue, pursue, we will possess. And if we possess, then we can pass it on. You cannot pass on to anything that you don't, to your children, that you don't possess. <laughs> That's not in you. You can send them to all the best schools. You can send them to all the right places. You can do that, and we do. We try our best. You can teach them at home. You can do anything. You can do, you, you, and, and in the end... What they'll get is who you are, what you possess, what you pursue in God, and what you possess is what you will pass on to them. And you might be thinking, oh, man, Greg, I am not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect mama or, or grandma or aunt or whatever. Whatever your family consists of, I'm, I'm, how, how, do, how do I do that? And you notice it does, in that verse, it doesn't say anything about being perfect. It just says Pursue it. What are you, what's in your heart? Are you pursuing? I know there's many times I thought, rats, that was wrong. It shouldn't have done it that way. You know, or it should have been a little bit different here. Or should have, should have done things a little bit different there. But in the end, what I want my children to know and see is my heart. How I love God. I love God. I pursue God with all my heart. You see, how do you say, Craig, how do I do that? Well, it's very simple. Don't be spiritual in church and be the devil at home, okay? Don't, don't be kind and considerate and loving and smiling here and mean to your spouse at home. You see, this is where, who you are. This is what you love, and this is what they'll see, you know. You can say, do this, you know, because we're famous about do what I say, not what I do. And, you know, it just doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. It won't work. We have to do that. You know, our, our world, our society, even this generation is going through something maybe you've heard about faith deconstruction. It's a theological term out there. It's where, where people that maybe have been exposed to church or exposed or grew up in church or, or, or been around church somehow are now getting to the point of thinking, I don't think I need this. I don't want that, and they give up church, and they give up pastor, and they give up giving, and they give up all. They just, they try to, and they're deconstructing their faith, and they get to the middle, and they find there's nothing in the middle. 
That's what, do you hear our children deconstructing their faith? What do we do? How do we touch them? How do we change them? How do we turn everything around? See, the problem is you can never point to Jesus, and that's what we do. Go to church. (laughs) Be good. (laughs) Don't have premarital sex. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just being real with you. Come on, this is where we live. (laughs) You know, we we tell them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And we try to point to Jesus, and Jesus is never there. You know why? Because he has to be here. He has to be in us. If Jesus is in us, if we point and say, say, I'm not perfect, son, daughter, whatever, but I love God. And when I might make mistakes, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pursuing. I want to keep doing this. Paul puts it a different way. I love the way Paul put it. First Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 1, he says, follow my example. Do what I do. Love how I love. Care like I care. Do, do this, you know, be, be that way. Follow my example as I follow Christ. And so often we say it just the opposite. You, you follow Christ, and I'll try to tag along the best I can. No, it's about us. It's about how we love God. What you pursue is what you will possess, and what you possess is what you'll be able to pass on, the inheritance to your children, the inheritance that changes everything around you. You see, you have to allow God to change your love into his love. You have to allow God to change all that. To, to, to all of a sudden where it's like, ah, I'm going to try to be good here, good there. And just let God, love, uh, his love in you change you. You see, you notice what happened is that the parents sang first, not the kids. The parents sang first. The kids saw the parents singing, and they thought, oh. And then when Jesus was doing healings, they go, wow, that's amazing. And they started saying, but you know what they were saying? Just to break it down, just so we understand. Hosanna means save. To the son of David means the Messiah or basically Jesus. You know what they were saying? You know what they were shouting? Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us. Oh, and, and so Jesus says, don't you think I hear that? <laughs> I hear that. That's what Jesus heard. Jesus said, Jesus, save us. And Jesus said, I have come to save you. I have come to turn everything around. I have come to touch your heart. Others may try to quiet them, but we're going to listen to them. We're going to hear what they're saying, and we're going to give them answers. And the only answer, Jesus loves you. Jesus loved me. Jesus forgave me. Jesus can forgive you. You see, the children are speaking. They are. And I believe they're speaking the love that we have for them. My father was not perfect. He was a great dad. Just an amazing dad. So kind. If there's any kindness in me, It came because I saw my dad being kind. You say, well, Greg, my father was anything but that. Then you have to look at a different father. (laughs) I understand that. And I understand brokenness and such. But I, I remember a moment. We were in a building program. So the church was over here and they're building a new one over on this side and it was just nothing but cement just big cement and and it had the pillars starting to come up 
and all I can think of is this looks like a dead dinosaur. I mean, because I was, I was young. So I'm walking around with my dad in the dead dinosaur. You know, I'm just looking. What's his, his big old ribs and things like that. And he's, he's walking around. And he, he does this funny thing. I'm following him because this is what little boys do. They follow after your heart. Come on. And, and I'm following after him. And he walks over here, walks around. And he walks back over here. Hmm. Then he walks over here. And then pretty soon I thought, what's going on, Dad? What, what are you doing? And then he just stops. He said, this will do. And I said, what? He said, right here. This is where we're going to (laughs) sit. And for the next years, as long as we are part of that church, every day, every Sunday, bringing six kids. You think you got it tough? Six kids. Of course, my mom helped as well. In the car, make sure we're there. I mean, mom organizes, but dad made sure we're there. Come on. Dad made sure we're there. And we were always, always there. Always there. Six kids in the car. Okay, we lost one once, but we went back and got it. But that's okay. The, it happens. It happens. You know, nobody's perfect. But you, you just keep loving them. He said, right here. And I remember after it was all built, that's where he sat. How he knew that spot? Without benches and chairs and rows? I don't know. But it was in that spot. And later on when I got, you know, be cool and go sit with the young people. Because <laughs> you don't want to sit with the parents. <laughs> They're all that cool. But over there, I, and, and, and we were all worshiping. I would look over because I knew where my parents were because they love God. They love church. They love me. And I followed after that. Now, God is the one who touched my heart. Remember that spiritual construction? It's me. It's, I'm not here because of my Father. I'm here because of the Father. And Jesus Christ forgave me. But we're all connected as a family. We have to build strong families. They have to see the love that we have inside of us. Years later, my father, much years later, my father had a stroke. It was his first one in a series of things that eventually took his life. But he had a stroke and he couldn't speak. He, you know, he was fine outside. He, just, he, he couldn't get his words together. And I'll never forget the Sunday we're at church and he comes in with his mom, with, with my mom, with his wife. <laughs> yeah, it gets all confusing after a while, you know what I mean? So it comes, it comes all in, comes in, they sit down, and he can't talk. He can't literally say a word. And all of a sudden, he starts singing out, knew every single word, said it, sang it, everything. Because, you know, evidently they tell us of the different part of the brain. I don't know, I'm not a neuroscientist. I play one on TV, though. So. It was drawn from a different part of it, but he did it. He sang. Why? It was in him. And I watched him worship and thought, <laughs> it's in him. Is it in you? Do you pursue it? Do you possess it? You hear what the children are saying? They're saying what you possess. If it's wealth, is it fame, if it's money, if it's a prettier wife, stronger husband. That's what they'll hear. You think, well, Greg, it's too late. My kids, done, done it. They did. <laughs> you know, or they're, they're older now or whatever. I don't, I don't know. You might think it's too late because I've done all this. It's never too late. Jesus' brothers were going to throw him in, in a, some dark room somewhere because they thought he was crazy. 
See, Jesus didn't reject his family. He loved his family. Jesus died, rose from the dead, and spent several days on earth meeting people. And you know who he met? His family. And showed himself to them. And they saw a resurrected Jesus. One of them, James, wrote the book of James. Another one wrote the book of Jude in our Bible. James actually ran the church. It wasn't Peter. Peter just did his apostle stuff and healing and all that kind of stuff. But James ran the church. All the details, you know, get everything. That, that, that was his half-brother. That was, that was that's who he was. Jesus brought in his family. It was incredible. Why? Because they saw the resurrected Christ. Before they just saw a brother. Then they saw a resurrected Christ. And you might say, it's too late, Greg. I've already done it. They, they, they're, they're out there. Let them just see the resurrected Christ in you. <laughs> Let them see Jesus in you. And, and, and whatever that means and however that means, loving them, care for them, and investing in them, that means that they'll see Christ. That's how they find God. There's so many things that we could talk about how to build a strong family, but you know what it's all about? Loving God. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Just love God. And then God will make you into the perfect dad. And then one day, years and years and years and years down the road, your child will stand up and say, my dad wasn't perfect. He loved God and gave me that. And that's what God wants to do in our life. You receive the word this morning. Give God thanks. Let me pray for you. Father. In the name of Jesus, every single person here is so precious. And God, they have all kinds of things, and the world condemns us, and we have guilt, and we have shame, and we have failure. God, you have wiped all of that away through only the power of your salvation in us, through the grace of Jesus Christ. Father, if there's any person here, that Father doesn't have that love, really know that love of Jesus in their life. God, I, I pray right now, right now, right here, as they're watching online, as they're sitting in this auditorium, that they'll just say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin because I want to love you like you love me. So, Lord, I pray right now you would pour your love into every single heart and every single soul. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of our failures. Make us new. Give us a renewed spirit in all that we are in you. God, I pray you would encourage every single mom, every single dad, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, whoever they are, to love you. And that love will pour into the mouth of all of those around them and change them. God, we thank you for that. And we're believing for that. God bless you.